Hey everyone, I'm Karen Stefano, author of The Secret Games of Words, and with me this evening is Meg Tewitt, author of Bound by Blue. How are you, Meg? I'm good, Karen. It's so good to hear your voice. I always I'm, miss you. I know, <laughs> you too. How are things in Santa Fe? You know, today was wild. We had, like, an amazing storm. My back road is so gross. Like, we usually don't have drop-ins back here on Crazy Rabbit Road, but today was so brutal. It rained from, I think, last night all the way through today, and it's now a big, huge mud puddle, like massive. You can't even, like, drive on it. And even the streets of the city are like that because... They're not used to getting this much rain, so it's kind of funny to watch people driving. It kind of, actually kind of sucks, but how about you well, in San Diego going over well, there? You're just, that's your excuse to just stay homebound and write, so. Oh, no, I had to go and do stuff, as you know, but um, I thought about it, believe me. I really did. <laughs> yeah. Well, in San Diego, yeah. it's... Um, we, it's I don't know. I think it's cooling off a tiny bit, but as you know and everyone listening knows, it's just been it's been summer in Southern California for about 3 years straight. So, I think we're all kind of over it now. So. <laughs> um, but but anyway, um let's let's get into it and uh right. let's let's talk some literature and um specifically I wanted to ask you about your book, Bound by Blue, and I'd mm-hmm. like to focus on the title story, if we could, and I'd like to start uh, by reading a paragraph that's okay. pretty stunning, really, and it's just it's just from the very beginning of, of the story, uh, but it, it goes like this, Edward's irises were electric blue. Blue is the sky, the sea, the smug smiles, sinister and smothering. Blue is boundaries that were never bound. Blue is his mother holding tight to her blue-eyed bandit in bed who kept her warm, wet, and distended. Blue is the scurrilous pounding of humans approaching. Blue is the dangling bloodline that left him 60 years old, flaccid, alone, and methodical in his foul play. Meg, that is some some stunning, stunning work, and um, I I hope that everyone listening uh, was, was just able to appreciate the the beauty of it, the power. And so I I want to I want to ask you, you know, how is it? How do you find your words? What's your process? And what's your approach to craft? And what do you look for mm-hmm. in a sentence? That's a bunch of questions, but um, I, what do you look for in a sentence? How do you how do you accomplish what you accomplished there? Um, well, you know, like the thing about blue is an interesting thing, anyway. You know, colors is that we always have the the, the you know um, cliches of sapphire and the sky and the whatever but then there's the other side of blue which we see as somber and you know um so what i was trying to do is work the two against each other because for this guy blue was not winning for him in this story as you know 
Um, and I love poetic prose. I can't help myself. I really do. So I'm one of those people who surrounds herself with um, a lot of poetry, actually, when I'm writing. I'm not I'm not one of those who holds up without any other work around me. I like to have inspiration. Um, I do love a really good thesaurus, I got to say, as you can tell. (laughs) How about you? How do you do it? How does it work for you? Um, I have no idea. Um, uh, You know, in terms, you know, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I start with an idea, um, an event or, um, something, an experience Mm -hmm. that moves me really deeply and viscerally. And then I just try to get it down somehow, um, usually initially in a very sloppy ham handed way and not knowing where it's going to wind up. Um, and then I, I just stew on it and stew on it and stew on it, put it away, stew on it some more. And, um, and then eventually it starts to take shape and, and yeah, I find that reading, I mean, both of us obviously read a lot. Most writers do, but I think that it's reading poetry is, is tremendously helpful just to, yeah. just to kind of just to program your mind. Um, that's right. that, that's why I I read it. Um, it, mm-hmm. it just programs my mind to, uh, you know, make a sentence shape up a little bit better and have a little bit more magic in it. And yeah, and then you throw in the the good old thesaurus and uh, <laughs> and and pow and and then you know and just keep fumbling your way through. That's that's how I do it. I mean, the, the key word in my process being fumble. Do you, fumble. Do you like do you like old dictionaries? I tend to collect those. I love old dictionaries. They have the weirdest words in them. They're just so much fun. So I, I, I have a little collection I, of them. Uh, I I don't. I mean, I have I have an old Webster's on my shelf, and I have an old hard copy thesaurus on my shelf. But I, yeah. um, I tend to kind of cop out and 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 go online when I, and although the the online offerings are are, are, are not uh, as good. Tremendous. But. Well, I have questions for you, so I don't know how we do this, okay. but you know, I no, I just love your it. collection. Um, so I just wanted to speak a little bit about our history because I'm really blessed that I met Kieran at Tin House in the summer workshop in 2009, and I know you've been to one other in Bredlow since then, um, but I just remember we were in Dorothy Allison's class, and your work was so powerful. I mean, it blew me away. Out of everyone in the group, my your, yours was my favorite. I remember, you know, because what they do is they set out the stories ahead of time and everybody does their editing. And then we meet as a workshop, you know, usually like 12 to 15 writers. And I was blown away and I couldn't wait to meet this Karen Stefano. And, um, you have never ceased to blow me away. And, um, this collection is something I hope everybody gets a copy of. It's absolutely brilliant. And, it's got everything in it that that I love, you know. I mean, it's powerful and it's 
it's got all of it, like we know, the loss, the betrayal, the grief, um, and the love in it, and the redemption that it come, that things can come around. Um, so I was picking out one story that um, was published in Connotation Press before you were the fiction editor. And <laughs> yeah, many things how, how, how life evolves and comes full circle, huh? <laughs> Oh yes, it's beautiful. And um I I I remember when I read it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is brilliant." And um it's the one that's titled All the Bad Words Start with B. And um so basically it's a story of a woman finding out that her husband is cheating on her, but there's so much more to it. There's the, the lying that we all do that comes through this story. Um, so it's a slow pace. I love your pacing of your stories um, and the feeling that we as a reader are getting the realization with the narrator at the same time is really powerful. And that's a really hard thing to do um, as a writer. And I see that you do that all the time. And so I just wanted to read... Um, this she the narrator finds baby oil in her husband's glove compartment of his car. So this is what I wanted to read. Um, first, the open-ended inquiry, an interrogation designed to elicit information. List all the possible uses for baby oil. I ran through this list mentally: babies, baths, skin skin moisturizer, tanning, jerking off, sexual lubricant. Did you fuck someone? Past tense. Are you fucking someone? Present tense. Did you pick up a hooker? Beat off in your car. Why in God's name is this in your car? And I I, I remember being blown away by that, like, whoa. And I couldn't wait to keep reading to find out what the answer was going to be, you know? (laughs) Like, how... (laughs) this guy was going to move his way out of this one. And um, it's beautiful because it becomes really claustrophobic, you know, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about in terms of your structure is that you're able to really bring us in as readers so that we feel like we're learning at the same time as a narrator. Talk about that one because that's tough. That's really hard one. Do you have any thoughts um on that's, um, I mean, this I, this piece did, in fact, full, unfold that way because, mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, to 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 make the pacing a little slower and and real time um, for the reader, so that he or she is right there with what Allie, the narrator in this piece, is experiencing. I I think it helps to just take the straight up, reasonably uh, chronological approach to the story. Right. And, um, and that's, that's what happened here. And, 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 that, and that worked for this story, and that worked for this unfolding. Um, and for other stories in, in the collection, um, there, mm-hmm. there was some... some uh, chronological unfolding, but with a much faster pace. Like, for example, the title story, The Secret Games of Words, a lot of people right. who I've talked to have said, um, and, you know, even though it has a chronological unfolding, it, they've talked about, they've said the opposite about how 
how kind of frenetically fast-paced it is. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, in a way, you know, it's, the pace is intentional. It, it has to be, in, in, I guess, in, the, in a final version of a story. But, mm-hmm. again, going back to when I first sit down and start, I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of pace it's going to have. And it kind of appears... Right. At least in my experience, and maybe you have this experience too, but it, it, the the piece dictates the pace itself ultimately. Does that has that right. been your experience? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was thinking about this one because I feel like I'm in the car with the two of these people, and it's like, you know, I'm just watching them playing darts. You know, I mean, I feel like I'm right there watching it. Like, what? Okay, next, next next, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know, I don't know about my pacing. Um, you know, with flash pieces, it's a little different as we both know. And, you know, you have to really be sparing with your exposition. But in this one, this story is real movement of, um, scene by scene, you know, and I think maybe that is something that has to do with a lot of fast pacing is if, if there's a lot of scenes that are happening, a lot of dialogue, I think we move quicker through it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rather yeah, than, um, and I happen to love writing inner dialogue. That tends to be mine, but there are certain areas that I need to work on. I know. And, and one of them is outer dialogue and description. I tend to just want to get right into the deep, crevices of the hell that they're going through. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but, um, you know, instead of slowly letting it unwind, you know, so I know we're both working on novels and that's a tough thing, that pacing, you know, yeah. of yeah. Um, take a deep breath. Okay. now let's show where we are. Let's move away. Let's move in. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's tough. At least for me, that's tough. No, it's. I think it's tough for everybody. But let me mm-hmm. let me bring you back to um, Bound by Blue again. Okay. Um, there were scenes in this piece that really made me squeamish, um, uncomfortable, and yet at the same time I was drawn to them and I was unable to look away. And even as I'm reading the piece, I'm conscious of, I'm almost embarrassed because I'm feeling like a rubbernecker driving past a grisly accident. I just can't stop myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, it's beautifully drawn and I want to, I want to compliment you on that. But I also want to ask you as the creator of this piece, the lead story, Bound by Blue. Tell yeah. me what you think it's about. What 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 did you intend this piece to say about the world, about the human condition? Mm-hmm. Tell me. Well, um, trauma is, is a big part of what we all try to move through in life, I think. And... Um, Everyone on different levels tries to cope or not. You know, we, we try to do the best we can with whatever we've been given. Um, even if the coping mechanism itself is painful, like cutters and, uh, you know, people that lash out, addictions, whatever it is, the kind of slow suicides of a sort that we're doing to ourselves. 
I see over and over again um, with um, most of humanity, at least the people that I like. <laughs> um, and so I think that um, what I'm trying to say through some of these stories is that um, hopefully someone can um, uh, relate on some level. I mean, I'm not saying that I would want to relate on some level, of course, with so much trauma. But on the other hand, um, there are ways that we try to find, you know, some people can find help, some can get some stability, but, um, you know, it can be brutal, this life. And um, we're considering what we deal with in the past. And so in this story, it's a boy who's been sexually abused um, by a parent. And He's told over and over that his blue eyes are what draw the danger to him. Um, his mother keeps talking about how beautiful his eyes are, like sapphires, like this, like that. Um, and so there's also this really strange thing with the predator um, because she's his mother. And so he has all, I'm, I'm guessing, and this is what I was put, trying to put into it, is that Nothing is really black and white, including abuse. And so um, she's also the closest person to him, if you think about the story itself. The sister really doesn't have a big connection with him. He doesn't really connect at all with the dad. But it's the mom who comes in to tell him the stories at night. And then, you know, she's an alcoholic. She abuses him. And um, So there's that really harrowing mixture of disgust and, you know, um, and betrayal, but also there's arousal. You know, this kid is aroused. He doesn't know what's going on. It's just the body is aroused. So that keeps it all muddy. So um, throughout it, he he can't really see himself as a victim or a survivor so much as someone who kind of also brought this on himself, trying to figure out what it is by his beauty. That's what I see as so heartbreaking is that he decides that he has to maim his beauty in order to stop, you know, this kind of insanity from happening to him. Yeah, that's um, it's for for those of you who haven't read Meg's collection, Bound by Blue. Um, it's it's an incredible collection. Um, the lead story is just one example of the the raw raw emotion um, and descriptions that 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 draw you in into a lot of ugliness um, that unfortunately is a part of our world. Um, but then there are also some stories in it that are freaking hilarious. Um, so it's, it's a <laughs> tremendous collection. If you haven't gotten it yet, please, please, uh, please get yourself one. Um, and so it's, it's always funny talking on these, uh, on these webcasts and just having these intimate conversations about our work. And so yeah. whenever anyone's listening, whenever anyone's listening, I'm thinking, well, I hope either they've read the story or they're going to read the story because otherwise they probably have no idea what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's a hook for Bound by Blue. <laughs> um, now, can I go back to you? Do we move back and forth like yes. this? Is this okay? 
All right, Please. awesome. So um, what I was saying about it being claustrophobic and that movement um, through this, all the bad words start with V. I love the V words that are that are picked. Um, I'm, I'm going to read through those. There's victim, of course, vile, vermin, viper, venereal, vitiate, and then there's vows, which is so important to this whole piece. Um, I just love the title. And how did you decide on the V words? Were you looking through uh, the source and all of a sudden you thought, or did the word vow already be, was it already in your mind? And then you went back and you went, okay, now I'm going to pick out these other words that go with it because it's, there's so many bad V words, absolutely. Venereal yeah. is definitely a bad <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely, that's, that's definitely one of the worst V words. Uh, so I've heard, so I've heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, you, you pretty much nailed it, Meg. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what happened. Um, the, the focus was on the word vows. And so then all those other nasty little V words just sort of lined themselves up in a row around the V word vows. And it, it's, it's funny because um, I just did um, an interview with um, Literary Orphans, with Tammy Sherwood, um, and um, yay, Literary Orphans, we love you. Yay. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I said, she asked me something about, about this piece, and, um, and I said, you know, in fairness, there are a lot of awesome V words, too, and then, you know, we kind of went back and, and listed some, so um, no, um, no uh, prejudice against uh, V words in general here, but yeah, you nailed it. I mean, vows was, was the predominant word, and the rest of them just kind of lined up, lined up around it. Yeah. So, uh, and then, yes, of course, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Now, I was just going to say, and then the other V word that makes an appearance in the story, of course, is um, Allie, the narrator, is unraveling um, for, for good reason, and right. she keeps hearing an internal voice, capital V, and um, that voice is, you know, almost mocking her for the way she's dealing right. with this emotionally crippling discovery and right. um that you know that v word voice um was a i think a pretty central part in the story too because i think i actually wrote know, I, I i wrote that down i put voice in capital letters because i was yeah. going to talk about that next it's amazing yeah yeah, yeah because i do see that that's what it's about it's like that um the voice inside of us that we don't want to listen to, and yet the voice keeps saying, hello, well, uh, you know, come back to me. And yeah. we, um, as humans, tend to move in the other direction if we don't want to hear it. So yeah. I totally got that the voice was really huge because it's, you know, and that's what what I find so uh, exciting about your work is that it is a story of, you know, different levels of the lies, the secret game of words, the words that we tell each other, and yet the thoughts that we have underneath those words, is there an agenda or not? And um, those are things that I think are really central to great work, is breaking through those, you know, or opening them up so that people 
can read them and relate to them because we've all related to betrayal. We've all related to the lies that we tell on whatever level. And I love that it's, that it's structured with the mother in the beginning. In the, in the beginning, the mother's asking the narrator if she, what she made the husband for dinner. And um, so the daughter is used to lying about telling her this amazing meal that she made, and the mother's all happy. And then the, the, final, the final last paragraph is, the mother calling and saying, so what did you make your husband, you know, for dinner? And um, the daughter finally coming around to saying, okay, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm letting go of the lies. You know, like, so yeah. the lies on different levels that we all create, you know, um, some yeah. a lot more brutal than others, but yet we tend to have those white lies that we do to make somebody feel happy. And then we have those other lies that are extremely, um, you know, hor- horrific and heartbreaking and um, can destroy lives, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you're right. I mean, this, this story is about lies, but it's not just about the lies a spouse tells to the other spouse to hide an affair. It's about the lies we tell ourselves. And those are the most damaging kind of lies, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because ultimately yeah. it's us with us, you know, we got ourselves and we have to be able to um, live with what it is we've been given. And that's what I think about work. That's really powerful is that it's, it's, it's opening it up to the point where now we can speak about those places. Like even with this one with sexual abuse is, you know, to let out the lies. Unfortunately, in this situation, it's not done very well, but, you know, I mean, we, who, I don't know what well is, but, you know, we tend to hurt ourselves as well in the process of trying to reveal how painful it is, you know? Yeah. So tell, tell me, um, shifting back to, to the story Bound by Blue for a minute, what was the inspiration for this piece? Where did Edward come from? Where did his mother come from? Well, amazingly, I heard about a man who did scoop his eyeball out with a spoon. So there, everyone, there's your story. Okay, I just like gave you the uh, heads up on the, <laughs> the creepy Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Yes, right, exactly. Um, and I, all I knew was that I didn't know any history, but I tried to imagine what would compel somebody to do that. And um, I thought about, you know, all the different weapons that we use in order to hurt ourselves, and a spoon never comes up, right? Um And so then I thought about the beauty of if the mother or somebody were abusing him in the household, then then it becomes domestic. He's utilizing the spoon that the person that was supposed to feed him, you know, ends up being the person who abuses him the most. So what's fed him has abused him, and now he's going to maim himself with something so prosaic as a spoon, and I wanted to make that point clear because as I wrote it, as I went, you know, through the drafts, I realized, wow, that, that that spoon thing, I totally could get how that could be a deeper level of what it means to 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 say something without saying it to his mother, 
and to everyone out there of why he's doing what he's doing. And the other side of it is that he says that, um, you know, the only thing that brought attention to him was his blue eyes. They always talked about his blue eyes. And um, so, you know, it's like that he wanted to maim himself and make himself ugly so that then he wasn't going to be a target for something. But then at one point, I think I wrote, it was, you know, I wrote it was as pedestrian as seeing a boy with his mother, you know, that, that spoon, when you see a spoon on a table, just like yeah. seeing a kid with their mother, you don't know anything about their history. You just see a kid with the mother and you smile, you know, you think, oh, sweet, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. You know, Meg, it's, it's interesting, I mean, hearing you, you know, I, I, reading the, uh, the story for the first time, I mean, I've, I've read this collection um, long ago when it first, when it first came out, and then yeah. rereading the piece, you know, I see, I see so many layers in it, but um, just hearing you talk about it, it's, it, it's interesting. I, if, if anyone in the world had ever asked me, well, what genre does, does, does make to it right? And I'd say literary fiction, uh, full-length stories, flash, working on a novel. But with this story and a couple of others mm-hmm. in this collection, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm, may say now, you know, and she does horror um, just beautifully, I mean, horrifically beautifully. Uh, this, I mean, this piece, there's there's so much in this piece, so well done. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's how I, it's right back at you. That's how I feel about your work as well. You know, yeah, and I think you. that we're to work similar um, angles, which is, I don't know, there's some responsibility I feel as a writer which I I don't know it's not like it's a responsibility but it's like when I decide what to write about I mean not that I don't like to write funny shit I think that there's a lot to be said for something getting too macabre so there has to be some kind of break otherwise you're going to lose your reader you know as well so um, it's an interesting kind of movement between the two and um but I think that there's some kind of responsibility I feel towards getting those secrets out, you know, making it so it's less taboo. Like 10 years ago, you know, writing about incest was a little bit more uh, extreme than it is now. I mean, now we do see a lot of it. We definitely see a lot more of it and people are writing about it and talking about it. And um, I think what that does is it, it breaks, uh, I don't know, it, it makes it less powerful. It reveals, revealing it, you know, like a predator telling a kid, you know, don't tell anyone or I'll kill you kind of stuff or some kind of threat or whatever. Um, I think the more we write, we speak and tell of it, um, the less power it's going to have on possibly future predators, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you um, that, you know your pieces are 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 brave, and I think it's important to be brave on the page and expose yourself on the page and um, fictionally provide an account 
of horrific events, whether those horrific events are um, incest, like in, in in your story here, or other mm. horrific events, like the betrayal of a spouse. Because I think if you put them right. down on the page, readers who may be hum, you know, humiliated by an event, for example, um, if mm-hmm. a woman reading uh, all the bad words start with B or the secret games of words, um, it's, it's humiliating to uh, find out that everything that you thought was true in your life isn't true at all um, because the person who, 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 who is your partner has been, has been lying to you. And I think it, right. I, I think it helps. I think um, by writing. I stories, know I, I like, I, yeah, I like to read yeah. something and say, Oh yeah, I can relate to that. That happened. Yeah. You know, I'm, um, I think that that's what that one does is that story, all of the stories that you've written in this collection have some of that of the loss of, you know, family members and somebody with Alzheimer's and, you know, um, the betrayal of, of um, a spouse or partner. And we've all gone through these different things. So, so there's something to be said in the, the solidity of, being a part of something bigger than us and we realize that we're not the only ones which we've heard over and over but really there's so much power on on the page you know to be able to bring that out so that when I read something I say oh god yes and it's almost a relief I know you know to to know not that somebody else has gone through agony like myself (laughs) in whatever way but to know that we are all humans and there is shit that happens and we have to go through, we go through it, but we don't go through it alone, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, think about it. How many times have you, have I read a piece of fiction um, that mm-hmm. is Taking, making us live through a horrific event, and yet right. the characters living through and even um, transcending those horrible experiences is empowering right. us as readers. Right. And, uh, and, right. it, it, and it gives us an opportunity for emotional growth as, as mm-hmm. well. So. Uh, right. And I, exactly. I want to tell you, um, and you're not going to believe this because no one on these webcasts ever believes me, but we've been talking for a little over a half an hour, so we still have a few minutes left. So, um, wow. Have time to, uh, yes. Um, you have time to ask me one more question uh, if you like, and then I, um, I have uh, just one more question for you, if I may. Um, I wanted to say I'm really excited. I know that you're working on a memoir and also a novel. And um, your work just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, The one great thing that the audience might not know is Karen and I did a lot of workshopping together over the years and would send each other our work. And um, I feel really honored to be able to have have seen some of the early drafts of these and then to see how you progressed and moved through them. And 
I, I've always thought you were just a brilliant writer from the beginning, from the first time I met you, and you never ceased to, like I said, blow me away. And I'm, this collection is just exceptionally great. So well, you were, you were a sweetheart and, to say that. Thank you. And you were, you were a sweetheart to say that. But And everyone um, who, if you haven't um, read The Secret Games of Words yet, or if you have read it and you just didn't read the acknowledgments, um, in the acknowledgments, I say with utter sincerity, I thank Meg and Robert Vaughn and Len Kuntz. And I say to each of them, uh, you guys should probably be getting an editor's credit in this book because so many of the stories um, were shaped in um, the workshop we did where we exchanged work on a weekly basis for almost a year straight. And um, it was, I think it was the best, you know, Wasn't electronic because a- we, we weren't physically together workshop um i've ever been in it was just it was a really special year for me and it was really productive and Mm -hmm. um and i loved i mean we had so much love for each other and so much respect and yet there were the times where one of us would just come up with something that was just pure crap and um the 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 rest of us i mean we're so brutally honest (laughs) with each other too it's like uh it's like yeah this ain't gonna fly or i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) here it was pretty brutal but I mean it was also loving and um we could we could be brutally honest with each other because we we all knew that our heart realized that we're not bullshit then we know we're not bullshitting each other we're speaking the truth we're telling each other this is what I love this is like amazing and then this part maybe needs a little confusing over here or whatever but that I'm always so thankful for that because, you know, that's the great thing about workshopping is that we can be, you know, um, talk about the good and then talk about what doesn't work for us. And then, then we as writers go with what we decide if it works for us. And we just, or if, if enough people say it's confusing, then we have to hone in and figure out what the hell we're trying to say. <laughs> I tend to go off a little on my sentences uh, more, th- more than not. And um, so I need to be reined in off quite often. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that for sure. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it's it's always an an honor to to share drafts with with you, Meg. It's and I uh, and I um I'm honored when you trust me to weigh in on on an early draft of yours. And and let me let me just ask my my final question for this evening. Now you have a new um like co-venture book out with from unknown press is is that right is it out yet tell tell me the title tell me who it's with tell me everything um it's with uh david tomaloff and keith higginbotham and keith did the collages and david found keith and um i i mean i knew keith as a writer but i didn't know his artwork and it's really great and so um, David and I wrote it a while back, and um, it's poetic prose and poetry. And um, I would write a poetic prose piece and send it to David, and then he would work off of that. He's brilliant, really, absolutely brilliant uh, poet, I think. And um, Keith's work just adds, it's just amazing. And then, of course, we love Bud Smith. I mean, come on, how could you not love Bud Smith? He's I love Bud Smith. <laughs> 
I know. I did a web. I, I did a webcast with him. Really cool. Yeah, I just did a webcast with him a couple of weeks ago. I have. I don't have the link yet, but um, I know. I can't uh, wait yeah. to hear it. Can't wait. He's the coolest. So, yeah. He's and he's like got so many things happening at once. It's incredible. So, um, yeah. So I was really happy to be a part of that and. Uh, he just said, let me read it one time, because I told him that it was out there, and he picked it up, and he said, I want it. And I said, okay, you got it. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of very nice, and um, he's so easy to work with. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's going to be coming out. I don't know when. I mean, it could be tomorrow, and if it is, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if it's tomorrow or what months from now, whatever, um, I cannot wait to read it. Thank you. Um, okay, so my dear, I, it's time for us to sign off now. Um, but thank you, thank you so much. Um, uh, thank you so much for inviting me. This was so much fun. Yeah, uh, me, me too. Um, I love you, and you have a good night. I love you too, and you have a great night. Thanks, Karen. Bye.